Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We are teaching in Romans chapter 11. Maybe the hardest passage I've had to navigate, uh, but it's going to be it's going to be good. I did give probably besides the Hebrews passage, uh, maybe the hardest message in the Bible I gave to Pastor Rick. That's what every good Disciples should do is give the hardest ones to their disciplers, right? <laughs> you did a phenomenal job. Uh, this, this passage, I want to just start with the end. And the end is worship. The end of chapter 11 is worship. And this is what it's all about. Everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. How beautiful. So I want you to we want to get some context before we dive into this passage. Is that this whole book, this whole chapter of the Bible, is finishing this thought about Israel and how God feels about them, interacts with them, and listen, it's all intended for His glory. It's all actually coming from Him. God is never surprised. Pastor Rick preached the best message on foreknowledge, understanding, predestination, and foreknowledge I ever heard in my life. And it's out of chapter 9. When you understand that God knows in his foreknowledge what he's doing with and through and for all people, it sort of takes the edge off. It's like, okay, hey God, you got this thing. What, what this chapter is dealing with is all kinds of like some radical behaviors that were happening coming from the Jews towards Gentiles and also from the world towards Gentiles. The, the, the devil is trying to stamp out the, the message, the, the gospel, the proclamation of the good news that Jesus lives, loves, and saves. So when we look at chapter 11, we have to keep in context, context chapter 8, 9, and 10, all right? Chapters 8, 9, and 10, which I'm going to do for you so briefly. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those who are found or in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from his love. You are actually predestined to be made in the image of Christ. Hallelujah. How great is this? And when we look in Romans 10 or 9, we see that God has got it all figured out. He has a plan. And it's not for you and I to try to figure out or, or judge God based on his plan. He's got it lined out. And he works with those he calls the chosen, all right? Those who he knows for this foreknowledge they have the goods that he can work with. But he does not make them choose. If God made people choose, we would not have free will and love would not be real. And there would be no answer for pain, suffering, and loss. God would be a sadistic God. But the Bible says that God is always good and he is love. All right, so the only answer to this is that free will always stays free. Free will is always free. If we don't get to choose and because of our choice encounter the lost pain and suffering because of our choice, which is sin, and then be redeemed by the most loving God of all time who is always good, who sent himself to redeem us, then pain and suffering and loss would never have purpose. But it does. It gives us the knowledge of good and evil which leads us into this glorious destiny where when we're in eternity, guys, free will is still free will. But now love is permanent. <clears throat> I'm saying a lot right now. But I want you to get that God is always good. And God is always loving. Even when he knows in advance who's going to do what. 
And in the midst of that, when we're in the trenches of pain and suffering and loss and all these hard things, we can get confused and get bad ideas. One of the bad ideas that God is covering or that Paul is trying to teach us through the Holy Spirit here in Romans chapter 11 is about how to interact with, he's talking to Gentiles, the Gentile believers in Rome, how to interact with Jews that are supposedly chosen by God, but they're in rebellion and they're persecuting you, <laughs> right? Anybody be confused like, I thought you were God's kids. Why are you attacking me? Because I'm one of God's kids too, right? So Paul feels the need to write the book of Gentiles, uh, uh, the book of, of Romans in, in Romans 11. He feels this need to write to these guys. Why did he do it? Well, let's look here. Here are some of the keys. Uh, first, to help them understand why the Jews are persecuting them. Why Israel was persecuting the, the, the Gentiles. Because they were coming after them and any other Jew that happened to love Jesus. And to keep them from falling into the trap of following the law and confusing the gospel of Jesus. He wanted to keep them from falling back into feeling like they had to obey the law. He really covered that strong in chapter 10. Then also to keep them from the trap of pride, believing that they are now better than others. So Romans chapter 11 is going to deal with all these pieces. You'll see those kind of unfold as we go. It is a little thick, so I wanted to lay it out ahead of time so as we go, you can sort of dis we can discover these things along the way. I just want to hit, listen, we could preach out of these chapters for probably a month, I mean forever, and we just chose not to take forever, okay, to sort of unpack all the things. So we're just going, Holy Spirit, what are the things you want us to unpack so we can grow as a body, amen? So you go on deeper. We have a devotional that comes out for every single message series. You can get it if you download our app. It comes automatically connected to each message. And you can go back and you can pull those devotionals, sit down with other people, dig deeper. And we're just, again, taking another layer deeper so that you can not only reinforce your learning here on Sunday, but have an opportunity to journey deeper to learn more about who God is. Amen? Whew. So let's keep in context. God is always good. He's always loving. He, he knows everything in advance. There's no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We're praying that Romans 11 will come alive to us. We're not scared. It's your truth. <laughs> we love you, and we know you love, loved us first, and we're just loving you back. Today, we want to know you more. We want to experience you in the fullness of who you are. God, bring revelation to our life. God, I pray that whatever we discover today will lead us into life with you. And anything that is processed or said would never get a foothold, give a foothold to the enemy and lead us astray. We just want to be found in you. And Lord, I'm not expecting to be perfect today. I'm expecting you to just let what is heard be perfect because Holy Spirit, you're good and you're perfect. So God, we want to test all things and we want to know you in the fullness of who you are in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to say a lot of stuff today, okay? And you got to make sure that it's what Jesus says, <laughs> what is right, okay? So look, this is 
uh, from our teaching team. This is our perspective. Pastor Rick, uh, Pastor Jim Strutz actually was a part of uh, this message, helping us build this message. And so is Mariah Anderson, Reed Anderson. We're, we process together and we seek the Lord and then we're just going to preach it up. All right. But all, each one of us, we have to be along this journey so we can test to see that all things are right. Amen? So we're going to try to run this thing right down the middle. But let's start at Romans chapter 10. We don't have the slide for this. It's okay. Just stay on Romans 1. But I want you to listen. Paul is sort of laying a foundation for Romans 11 in Romans 10. And he asks these critical questions. He says, has Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they've heard the message about Jesus. And in verse 19 it says, did they... Did the people of Israel really understand it? He says, yes, they understood it. And then he also says he's going to rouse this jealousy in them because he is moving his blessing onto the nation, uh, the, the people of the Gentiles. And in, in verse 20 he says, I was found by a people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. And in regard to Israel, he said, all day long I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. So there's a foundation here in Romans uh, 11 that kind of starts in Romans 10 here that is Israel got a chance to hear. Jesus was the Messiah. He was a Jew. He was born from uh, the, into and from the Jewish nation. And he comes to them as their Messiah, the fulfillment of all that was promised to them from the time of Abraham through the time of Moses all the way up until the moment when he came and uh, born on, onto the scene here, okay? He, he was the fulfillment of all that, but they rejected him. And when that happened, something shifted in their hearts when they rejected God. Let's read it here in Romans 11, verse 1. I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite. This is now Paul saying, look, I'm a Jew and a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you not realize what the scripture says about this? Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply? He said, no, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. It is the same today, for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace, he, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. Again, people he knew he could work with. They responded. They saw the Messiah like Paul, saw the Messiah like Peter, James, John, all the disciples, which we call the founding apostles, then the 3,000 that get saved in the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes and, the, and they speak in tongues and they speak prophetically the message of the gospel in all different languages and 3,000 people get saved. Those were all Jews, guys. And that nation just began to spread the gospel and then there was a huge pushback from all of the leaders uh, and the Pharisees and the leaders of the traditional uh, the traditional side, the religious side of Judaism, and those that were following and adding on to all kinds of different laws. But here's the thing, guys. They were in power. Power corrupts. And, and they were in power, and when Jesus came, he destroyed all their power, all their position, because when Jesus came, there was no longer a need for a high priest, and they understood that. And it dismantled all the religious law that gave them importance and power. And if any of them were there for the wrong reasons and had their hearts already corrupted, and which was real, guys, 
They could not see Jesus, the Messiah, through their corruption, through their pride, through their arrogance, or were not willing to accept it because it meant they would lose all of what they had worked for, built, or was given to them. It was a lot. It wasn't just so simple. It was actually a pretty big deal for them. And so what they did was fought back. And when they fought back, they could reconvert some people that got saved back to Judaism. And that was difficult. They go back to practicing the law. Some Jews would get saved and then be in this mixture and sort of like practicing law and practicing, you know, freedom in Christ. And they would just be a big, giant, hot mess. It was so confusing. The whole book of uh, Galatians is just to help sort this out. Even the early apostles struggled and sort of went back and forth sometimes. And Paul comes in like a wrecking ball. Talking like a wrecking ball. Boom. And he blows up their doctrine all the time. The way Paul talks about Judaism, he just says these hard language all the time. It's over. Jesus fulfilled it. It's done. You're only crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. There's no longer a need for the law. Jesus fulfilled it all. Now look, many there's something we want to tackle here is, is, is in this, yes, Israel heard. Yes, they rejected God. Yes, they understood it. They knew exactly what they were doing. You say that's the Messiah, we say no. That's it. They, knew, they, they, they study the law. They're looking for the Messiah, okay? And when they choose Jesus isn't him, they're rejecting God's gift. And they know it. All right, so that came with consequences, but not to some extremes that some people think, which is that now God has rejected Israel. So I want you to think about this. God's uh, moving away or pouring out his blessing, okay, on Gentiles to some looks like he has now rejected Jews and he's kind of mad at them. But this is why Paul attacks this so strong, is because that is demonic, that is, that is exactly what the devil wants, is the children of God to turn and start fighting at each other. And, and Because then he just gets us all corrupted and all messed up. God has not abandoned Israel. God has not abandoned the Jews. He says, no, 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 no. Yes, they understood. Yes, they're in rebellion. Yes, they're persecuting you and they're off track. Yes, you should not go back and follow them. No, you should not do any of those things. And... His love for them is still on like it's always been on. This is not the first season of Israel being in rebellion. Over and over, like, like the tide going in and out. It is just the way human beings are and the nature of us are. But God said, I have blessed Israel to be a blessing to the world. And that happened. Jesus came through Israel. The word of God came through Israel. The promises are being fulfilled through Israel. Jesus was Israel, and he fulfilled it. He fulfilled the law that came through Israel. But this is all not by Israel's doing. What was the first passage? Let's go back to it. I just, verse 36, you can go to the first slide. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. They didn't generate any of that. As they responded to God's power and work in their life, the world started to experience God's favor and blessing, okay? But God has preserved a remnant, as always. There are always Jews that believe, okay? And he has not abandoned them. So this anti-Semitic, which is they call anti-Semitism, which is kind of weird, it means 
like hatred towards the race of the Jews. This is demonic. There is nothing about that as Christ-like. Their crusades were warred because people saw this wrong. They apparently never read Romans 11. Because they thought because Jews crucified Jesus and rejected the Savior that now God wanted us to punish them. That's messed up stuff. Uh, 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 listen, don't do that. <laughs> God loves his people. He loves everybody. There is never a foundation for hate in the kingdom of God. Jesus said even love your enemies when they despitefully use you, when they persecute you. That includes Jews, Gentiles alike. doesn't matter who it is. Love. That's the answer. And he says really, really straight, God has not turned his love off to his people. All right. There's no basis for persecution or racism or any of that kind of stuff that comes from you being a believer. And the, the Israelites, they're on their own track, okay? God's got them, and that's one of the things we find out is this kind of amazing way that God has all this in his hands. So you can, like, just chill a little bit. Verse 6, and since, since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works for in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. Look, God's kindness, God's love towards us is what is drawing us in. It is what is saving us. It is nothing that any of us has done. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 4. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Free undeserved. You don't get to work it out. It is, it is received by faith. Amen. You don't get to work it. Nobody gets to work it out. Jews or Gentiles. We're all saved the same way. Look at verse 7. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God that they are looking for so earnestly. A few have the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. So let's just pause here for a second. The, the Jews that are not choosing Jesus, the favor, the blessing has dried up. It, it's dried up because they're not applying the principles. I want you to think about this. Not everything Israel does in the nation of Israel is good. Not every Jew, just because they're out there, and I'm like, well, I'm a Jew because I was born from, you know, Jewish roots. It's like everything I do is good. Do you know how many full-blooded Jewish men, women, how about in, in the Old Testament that they were full Jews? You know who was a full Jew? Korah. Do you know what happened to Korah? And he had a whole rebel of people that he tried to overthrow Moses. God literally opened the earth and they all fell in it, and then he goes, closes it up. He goes, rebellion solved. <laughs> You're like, how does God solve problems? Well, in the Old Testament, he's kind of like, I don't know. I'm kind of tired of that one. Done. <laughs> it's wild. Everything that the nation of Israel is doing over in the Middle East is not good. I'm not saying some of it is or isn't. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be allies. We're not talking politics right now. We're talking love. All right? I'm not going to, that's why I said, like, I'm going to stay on the line here, okay? Many Jews are in rebellion. 
Some have chosen God. But the favor of God is conditional in the law. He says, if you obey and do this, then you get blessed. He gave them the whole roadmap. If you don't, you get thumped. It's a curse. If you go in the law, you obey it all, you get the blessing. If you don't, you get the curse. But God says, he, I mean, it's like over and over again. He like pleads with his people, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, don't do it. Oh, come on, come on, come on, just, just follow me, just hear me, just, do, just walk in my favor and my blessing. But he doesn't pour out the blessing unless they apply the principle. So you, you, all of us, okay, we walk in God's favor, not talking salvation now, we're talking about just experiencing God's blessings when we apply his principles, Jews and Gentiles alike. God has not removed this plan from his people. If they apply the principles that God has laid forward for them, they get blessed just like we do. And it all starts from one source. Right now, it all starts from one source. It does not start, I'm giving you a little clue, from the law, okay? As the scripture says, God has put into them, put them into, now it says when they, okay, let's just back up a little bit. A few have, the ones that God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. And uh, Pastor Rick preached such a great message on the way hearts get hardened. <clears throat> like Pharaoh, he hardened his heart nine times, and then God hardened his heart nine times. Kind of radical, right? Well, Israel rejected Jesus, and then they, they hardened their own heart, those who didn't choose Jesus. And then God hardens their heart as a response, and he says he put them into a deep sleep for a great purpose. But it doesn't mean no Jews can get saved, because he says some of them are still choosing. Some of them are still getting saved. It's just kind of as a whole, they're in like a slumber and are missing out on the favor of what God has for them. All right. As scripture says, God has put them into a deep sleep. This is verse 8. To this day he has shut their eyes so that they do not see and closed their ears so they do not hear. Likewise, David said, let their bountiful table become a snare, a trap that makes them think all is well. <clears throat> let their blessings cause them to stumble and let them get what they deserve. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and let their backs be bent forever. Not awesome. Okay, that's not my favorite thing to read out loud. When, you when the Israelites are rejecting Jesus, they're actually under a curse. It's like hard life. And what's, but this is crazy thing that's happening is God is actually trying to provoke their jealousy. He's showing them, see, they all know the promises of God. They're, all of, if you obey me, you walk in my commands, then you will be blessed. But he also said, you need to be looking for my Messiah. When he comes, he's gonna finish all this stuff and you're going to move on to a new and better covenant. I've got a better covenant for you. It's actually what the promised land was all about. He did the natural of moving his people into the promised land, wandering in the desert, and then having the law wandering the desert, then going into the promised land. And it was all by God's grace and power that they, they did none of the warfare, even Jericho, first fruits. They walked around it, and God's grace tumbled the city. That's exactly how sin is tumbled in our life. God's grace, Jesus is how we cross the Jordan. Jesus is the promised land, okay? For Jews and Gentiles alike. So when we find this interesting, we're in this interesting place where God is actually showing the Israelites how his favor is right there for them, but because they're going back to try to practice the law, or they're not looking at the fulfillment, the promised land season, and, and they've rejected that, they're actually not experiencing his favor. 
They're experiencing resistance and all of this other stuff because they're in a slumber. But then they, get, they understand the promises and they see God moving in Gentiles. And they see the fulfillment of those promises coming about through these people that he goes, like in Romans 10, he goes, they weren't even looking for him. And, and, and somehow he goes and finds them. They're like, wait a second, what about us? I thought we were his kids. Like, this process is being stirred in them all the time. Verse 11, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. So this stumbling that they're in the middle of is not beyond recovery. And, uh, and it goes on, it says, they were disobedient, yes, so God made salvation available to Gentiles. Again, God's foreknowledge just sounds a little bit like it was plan B. That's, it's not plan B. God knew exactly what he was doing. He's opened up now because they rejected. He needed them to choose. And when they chose, he did, his, he did the next step of his plan, which is he opened up salvation for all the Gentiles. But he wanted his own people to become jealous. And look here. This is important. Claim it for themselves. Claim it for themselves. Let's go back to the very first thing I, I prefaced all this message with. Free will, guys. Free will. It defines love. Free will defines love. If you don't have free will, love's not real. And he is provoking them not to control them, but so that they, the Jews, will choose his Messiah. They will choose salvation. They will choose his perfect plan for them. But they have to be, they're, they're kind of stuck. And for how many of you guys, we're all like this. And I feel, I believe this is, where, this is where it goes. And it's like, hey, don't start pointing fingers here. The next part of this is like, for the Gentiles. Don't start pointing fingers. How many of y'all have to learn the hard way? There's just some lessons in your life. Not all of them, but there's just some. You're like, I don't know why. I got to be such a knucklehead. But I got to learn this one the hard way. Don't even try to tell me how it's supposed to be because I'm going to learn the hard way. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> you know? So don't start pointing fingers because, like, you start going back through your life. You're like, yeah, okay. I got a couple of these, a couple notches on my belt where I had to learn the hard way. But he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. They have to see those promises just thriving and going, why am I not blessed? I'm a child of God. Look at all the favor. And they look in the Old Testament of all the promises and they see them being fulfilled now in the New Testament through Jesus. And the, and the diversity is just going to get bigger and bigger as God's glorious church begins to thrive and overwhelm the world with his love, with his power, with his glory. Church is not getting weaker, guys. None of this makes sense if the church gets weaker. Church is getting stronger and stronger and bigger and more blessed. And the difference between the world and God's church is going to become very expansive. It's going to be very, very different. And it's going to become really obvious to the world and to the Jews where God's favor is. It's going to be on those that choose Jesus. Verse 12, now if the Gentiles were enriched because of the people, the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation. Think how much greater a blessing the world, not just the Jews, <clears throat> the world will share when they finally accept it. Earlier in the book of Romans, it says that the entire world is actually groaning for the sons of God to manifest themselves. 
to take their inheritance and live by it. That's Jews and Gentiles alike. Just come on, baby. The world gets blessed when you take dominion, when you take the favor that God has poured out in your life and you begin to live in it to its fullness. He says you're blessed for a purpose, blessed to be a blessing. You're bringing the love and life to this world. And imagine what it's gonna be like when we're all getting it. It's gonna happen. He says, this is gonna happen. Hang on. This is gonna be awesome. Jews and Gentiles alike, we are going to be just crushing it, experiencing the fullness of God's favor. I hope I'm alive when this rips off. Verse 11, but he wanted his own people to become jealous, to claim it for themselves. When you claim it for yourself, when you see, oh my gosh, Jesus, what you did for me, that's mine. That's where real love begins. Choice, choose. Free will defines real love. Free will defines real love. I'm telling you what, he's not a controlling God. Even in the law, he said, hey, here it all is. Good luck. I want you to do it. You've got to choose it. If you do this, then you'll get this. If you don't, then you get this. Something awesome, something not awesome. Free will, when you go into eternity, you still get to choose. But when you're redeemed from pain and suffering, you'll be vaccinated from the choice of sin for the rest of your life. It's going to be awesome. You still get to choose, but the devil comes, they like knowledge a tree of good and evil. You're like, already tasted that. Already know what that is. There's no more temptation for that because you already drank the juice. You ate the fruit. You're like, that was a rotten banana. The devil said it was this juicy, yummy apple. No, that was a rotten banana. <laughs> you got diarrhea for a really long time. That's sin, right? came out so free. I, I. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> you get into eternity, folks. You get into eternity, you, you still have free will. Real love is found in free will. And that comes with the rotten banana, folks. The devil could be going around, tree of knowledge, like, eat that thing. You're like, I tasted it already, and God redeemed me from it. And I remember what it was like to be without the perfection of God's love, glorifying me. I remember what it felt like to turn 90, 95, 100, from dust we were born to dust we end. Getting old's not for sissies. It's hard. You lose everything in this life and everyone. Sickness, pain, suffering, death, bodies decaying. And, and that's all because you needed the knowledge, free will choice, to choose the knowledge of good and evil. And now God redeems you from all that stuff and you get saved from it and you end up in eternity still able to choose. You're never choosing that again. Permanent free will, permanent vaccination from sin, this is why it says in Romans 8, nothing can ever separate you from my love. Once you get it, I got you. <laughs> I got you, boo. You ain't going nowhere. And he goes, just trust me. 
This is what he's saying in this chapter, guys. Trust me, I'm the sovereign God. All of this is gonna make sense when you end up in eternity. All pain and suffering is gonna make sense when you end up in eternity. It comes from my, my desire and love for you and relationship. It's all worth it. It's all gonna make sense. Even when you're being persecuted, even when you're being harmed, even when everything's kind of a big disaster, love is gonna win. Love is gonna win. There's a part in our devotional that we're gonna have out this, this week, and I'm just gonna reference it, is that we're gonna, I want you to dig into the parables that Jesus talked about in the vineyard and the banqueting table. Super cool revelation connected to this whole passage of how God first came to the Jews and then the Gentiles. It's pretty rad. Verse 13 says this. We gotta fly. I'm saying, <laughs> fly, you fools. I am saying all this especially for you Gentiles. For God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this for I want somehow to make my people of Israel, the people of Israel, jealous of what you Gentiles have so I might save some of them. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It's kind of a bummer that they rejected, but wait till they come on like a Russian freight train loving Jesus. It's going to be amazing. It will be life for those who are dead. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, the descendants will also be holy just as the entire batch of dough is holy because the portion given as an offering is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. All right. Jesus, guys, this is where we're getting to, he is the root of all life, not the law. Jesus brings life to us not fulfilling the works of the law. This is why when Jews go back to the law, they don't experience the favor of God. They're not just because they have the, 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 the blood is Israel that they're all of a sudden walking in favor and blessing. That's a misconception. And that we, we don't condone everything that they do. Sometimes they sin. You ever read, you know, we're talking about even in the Old Testament, it's written down. We all sin, even Jews, Gentiles alike. I mean, there's all kinds of examples where they sin and get disciplined by God. Following the law does not give you favor anymore. Only following Jesus. Jesus is the root and the tree that makes it holy, and then the branches are too. Okay. Verse 16. But remember, God has not rejected Jews. God's gonna pour out his blessing on them when they choose him. And there are brothers and sisters that we need to be praying for, believing. But look at this, verse 16. For if the roots of the tree, this is a whole big example to make this point. And I'm gonna just fly through this one and pin it down real quick, all right? For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. But some of the branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles, who were branches from the wild olive tree, have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. How cool is this? Sharing in the nourishment from the root, who is what? Jesus, God's special olive tree. That's how we all get life, from Jesus. But you must not brag about being grafted into replace the branches that were broken off. You're just a branch. You're not the root. This is the thing I'm trying to say. It's like God's just trying to say, don't get prideful. 
The Jews did that too. Don't do all that stuff. Look, look. He came in and he rescued you. Just be thankful you're grafted in. And then he goes on, and this gets kind of hard. He's like, I really want to make my point here. You're just a branch. You're not the root. Well, you may say those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. So don't think so highly of yourself. But with fear, what could happen? Oh, but fear, what could happen, right? What could happen? For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He's severe towards those who disobey. They're talking about don't choose Jesus. That's the disobedience, not sin. The disobedience in this is they don't choose the Messiah. Salvation. That's how you get saved. Everybody gets saved. Remember, it's Romans 8, 9, and 10, and 11 all together, which is you're saved one way, through the blood of Jesus. By his grace, no other way, not by your works. Verse 22, notice how, oh wait, he's both kind and severe uh, toward those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. You stop trusting in who? Jesus. I actually believe this is extremely hard to do. I'm not sure you can undo choosing Jesus, but I'm still scared of it. Okay. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again. Look at this. Doors wide open. For God has the power to graft them in back into the tree by <clears throat> you by nature were a branch cut off from the wild olive tree. So if God is willing to do something contrary to the nature by grafting you into his olive cultiv- uh, cultivated tree, I got it, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree they w- where they belong. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not, here's a point, feel proud about yourselves. Again, It's not about you. Sometimes this passage people use to say that Jews are more important than Gentiles. That's not true either. All the same. All love the same. All grafted in the same. Jews got proud because they thought they were God's kids and they're like, everybody else is terrible. We're amazing. And they started to become racist and they persecuted other people. Then when people got chose Jesus and they started getting saved and loving Jesus, they're persecuting them because it was ruining their world. Like, they made some mistakes too, right? It's just like, listen, stop all this pride stuff. Pride goes before fall. God gives grace to the humble. We all get saved through grace, by grace, through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. There it is. Don't be proud about yourselves. That's kind of what all that whole passage is about. All right, let's pin this whole thing down. Let's, let's finish this thing up. For verse 25, some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until, look at this, the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. How cool is this? You want to know what the timeline is? It, it is not going to be found in some book. Burn it up, throw it away. Do not, do not buy books, please, in Jesus' name, that tell you when the end is coming. 
Well, I calculated based on when Israel became a state and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to add this number to that number and this. This is what James and John and other disciples and apostles were like trying to figure out. Like, when's it all going to happen? When are you going to come? And he goes, only the Father knows that business. But he gives us a clue. Remember, God is in charge of everything. Everything exists by him, even time. So God wants to extend time? What's that to him? He is an amazing mathematician. He like all works it all out and goes, perfect timing. It's just crazy how he does all this stuff. Full number of Gentiles. You want to accelerate this thing? You want to see this wave of Jews coming in, Israelites coming in and believing? Let's go lead some Gentiles to Jesus. This is it. There's a full number. It's a head count. This is the problem. A head count in heaven. God's going like, well, 1,771,642, You know, you're like, okay. Romans, you want to make this thing go faster? Romans 10. You press on Romans 10. Push the gas pedal on Romans 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him and be saved unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless they have heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That's you. Go tell somebody, and how will anyone go tell them without being sent? For the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. There's a head count in heaven waiting, and it's about Gentiles. I know people say Jews first and Gentiles, but actually the Bible says it gave it to the Jews first, and they rejected it. Now it is about the Gentiles. He wants everybody to be saved, but what needs to happen is the full Gentiles need to come in to the kingdom. And then what happens after that is it goes on to say, but some of the branches, wait, I backed up too far. He goes and he says, verse 26, so Israel will be saved. When, when all of the Gentiles come to Christ, verse 26, so all Israel will be saved. What? I'm imagining that when he says all Israel, it's like every Jew on the planet gets saved. What would that be like? That's when he says, like, this is going to be the finale on the fireworks show right here. All Israel will be saved. As the scripture says, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem, and they will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them. I will take away their sins. My people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles. Yet they are still people he loves because he chose their ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for the gift, the God's gifts, and his call will never be withdrawn. It's not being taken back. Once you were Gentiles, you were rebels against God. You Gentiles are rebels against God. But when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. And now they are the rebels. And God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. They're watching God's love pour out on all of us. And we got to crank it up, church. Loving everybody so much and spreading the good news and getting that head count of Gentiles up, right? And then God has imprisoned everyone disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. Everybody is lost so he can save them all. Verse 20, what is it? Let's finish this thing. Verse 33, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts and who knows 
enough to give him advice. Nobody in this room. And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? We need to stop falling prey to over-intellection, pride, and prejudice. It is corrupting the church. Think we have to be smarter than God or smart enough to figure it out. Listen, follow Jesus. He is the root. He is who saves. He's who delivers. He who fulfills all the promises. It's in him. When you, when you pour into him, the whole tree becomes holy. You're not going to find another way, guys, gals. I don't care how young or old you are. There is one way to experience fulfillment and favor, and it's through Jesus. Verse 36, and here's the close. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Up on. We serve a huge, loving God. He's got a great purpose for your life, you today. Not one person in here escapes the love of God. You don't get out. It's not like, oh, I love everybody here but this one person. Oh, I just love the Jews and you're a Gentile, you're second place. No, he loves us all just the same. We all get saved just the same. Nobody's going to cast pride or prejudice or racism towards any direction. doesn't matter where you're born from. We all come into the kingdom through the same love. We all come from a God who is just full of mercy, who is full of compassion, who's pursuing each one of us with this relentless love to draw us into our best life in Him, not just for now, but for eternity. That's it. He loves your brokenness. He loves your vulnerability. He loves where you're at. He loves everything about you. Even if you don't, He does. Today is going to be the best day for some people in here. That you get a chance to choose back. You get to choose Him as He's chosen you. You're here for a reason today. It's to encounter the love of God. You get to do that one way. Believing that Jesus is God and confessing in your mouth, with your mouth, He is the one who saves you. It's personal. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment here in the church? If you're here today and you're like, you know what? I just stumbled in here because somebody like drug me in and my mom, my grandma, my brother, my sister, my neighbor, they're so weird and they wouldn't let me get away and I'm just here. You're here today. God picked you. He wants you to know Him. And whoever brought you here, or however you got here, they loved you so much so that you'd experience the love of God. If you're here today and you're ready to have an encounter with Jesus, give your life to him. I wanna pray with you. Will you stretch your hand in the air so I can pray with you? Thank you, thank you so much. Anybody else, Jesus, I'm ready to choose you. Just a simple prayer and a belief in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Anybody here? Anybody else? Jesus, I want to respond to your love. Awesome, you can put your hands down. Let's pray. Pray this, Jesus, I believe you're God and you are my Savior. I'm asking you to come save me. Forgive me for my sin and set me free. Fill me with your love. Help me to see the purpose that you have for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name.
in Jesus' name. So people getting saved in here today, that's pretty awesome. Will you stand with me as we close in worship? <clears throat> Father, we love you today. God, let your great, just unrelentless love fill each one of us to overflowing. And God, we would encounter the fullness of all that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.